welcome to What Are You Talking About? My guest today is Dr. Julie Fouché. She is a four-time CrossFit Games athlete, a family physician, and a podcast host who is known as a legend in the sport of CrossFit. Today, we discuss her journey to finding CrossFit, why she chose to compete, and her career since, including her hugely popular podcast, Pursuing Health. We really hope you enjoy this episode. Please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to be the first to hear all about our new content. Enjoy! Julie, thank you so, so much for joining me. How are you today? I am doing very well. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and excited to chat. Thank you. Uh, is it a bit weird for you now? Obviously, you have your own podcast being on the other side of it. <laughs> What's that like? <laughs> it is. I I don't know. They're both so different, but both fun. I mean, it's I'm very curious, I think like you are. So I like to ask questions and I like to learn from people and hear their stories. Um, so it's a little bit different being put on the spot and and having to answer the questions. But I also, I'm such an open book and I love sharing about my experience too, if that's helpful to anyone. Yeah. And you've had such an incredible career kind of in CrossFit and out of it. There's so much to talk about. Um, I suppose we'll start off with a little bit about your journey um because I want to I want to dive into the podcast and so many things you've spoken about but kind of going back your CrossFit career um how mm. did you discover CrossFit because you are like one of the OGs you know you were there <laughs> at the beginning how did you how did you find it how did you get into it that's awesome. I love being considered an OG. I don't, I don't know if I consider myself an OG because there was the women that I looked up to before I started that were even earlier, but I was in that first wave of, of athletes, um, as the CrossFit games were building. So my first CrossFit games was in 2010 and I found it when I was in college. So I, growing up, I had done gymnastics. That was my main sport. And then I ran track and field in high school and, I remember going to college and neither of those were sports I was going to to play at the college level. And, and I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do? <laughs> you know, I know I'm, I always felt like an athlete. I loved pushing my body, but I felt very lost without having a coach or having a team or any kind of structure. And so for a couple of years, as I was starting college, I was just floundering around in the gym by myself, trying to figure out what to do. And then finally, I just came across CrossFit.com. And I looked at the workouts and I thought, oh my gosh, this is perfect for me because it's a little bit of everything. You know, I'd always get so bored in track or I wouldn't, I didn't love it because it was the same thing every day, right? It's just, you just run and run and run. And so the idea that you could do sprints some days and you could do long distance some days, and then you could do weightlifting and gymnastics. It was so exciting to me. And then when I first walked into the CrossFit affiliate in Ann Arbor, Michigan, you know, I was very lucky starting there. It was one of the, I think it was the 12th or 14th ever CrossFit affiliate. So it was a very early one. Um, I had great coaches to start and, and it felt to me like walking back into the gymnastics gym. It was just a great environment. You had a coach. It felt like you were on a team, you were doing a class with other people. And so right away, I just knew I had found my new home. And at that time for me, it was really all about my own personal health. Um, you know, I like not having sports anymore. I had developed as I think many women do in that age, I had developed not the best relationship with my body. And so it, to me was really about empowering myself again and healing from some of those negative thoughts that I was having about myself. 
yeah it's it's so weird to think like you went into one that was the 12th affiliate like isn't that crazy people probably don't even know now what number they stand right thousands and thousands yeah Yeah. and I want to talk a little bit later about what you're saying about body image because I think CrossFit is such an important thing for that and I think it's why a lot of women in particular find it Um, Mm and but as kind of someone who obviously was a pretty talented athlete anyway you know did it come easy for you learning CrossFit if you'd had that gymnastics background and track field did you feel like oh this is you know I can do this or did you find it was a real challenge starting off well I think it's all relative I think certainly I had the body awareness that things did come more easily and I was able to learn movements pretty quickly but there were a lot of things that you would think would come easily that I struggled for a long time. And, and even, you know, building strength, I, I had not done a lot of weightlifting prior. And so building strength came very slowly and things like even handstand pushups and muscle-ups, you think I have a gymnastics background, but it it's, we don't do all of that in gymnastics. We don't do the rings. And so a lot of those things did take a lot of time and, um, but all that being said, relatively speaking, they came pretty quickly because <laughs> I was at the CrossFit Games about a year after I started, which is wild to think about. It really is. And it was when the Games were kind of transitioning into a new era as well. Mm-hmm. Did you, did it kind of happen quite organically going to the Games or was it like you heard about them and you were like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to go do that. Like, what was your thought process in competing? It was such a surprise. I, like I said, I started just for my own health. And so I started, it was the summertime. I loved going to workouts and, and just feeling like I had a sport again and and not even for the sake of competing, just feeling like I had something to do and a purpose in my training. And so I was enjoying just getting healthier and fitter. And then that fall, there were a few people from my gym who decided they want to do some extra training to prepare for local competitions. And I thought, why not? You know, I had seen, I had watched that year. They did publish videos. It wasn't broadcast, but they did publish videos of the CrossFit games from 2009, which were held in Aromas, California. And I watched all those videos and I watched what the women did. And I was just blown away and thought, oh my gosh, these women are amazing. And there's no way I'll ever be able to do that. But I did, I must've had in the back of my mind, some goal. I didn't, I don't think I thought about it consciously, but I did print out they had summarized all the women, their best benchmark time. So workouts like Fran and Diane and deadlift and all of their best times. And then the average times, if you took the average of all the women who were at the games that year, and I printed those out and I put them on my wall in my bedroom. And I remember first looking at them thinking, oh my gosh, these are crazy. I'll never be able to do that. But then gradually over the course of the year, doing this extra training and you know, I was able to start checking some off and I'd look at the picture and, and say, oh my gosh, I, I got that one, or I'm really close to getting that one. And so seeing those dramatic improvements, I think it's the CrossFit honeymoon phase when you start and you just have PRs every day and every week. Uh, it was very exciting. And then I did some local competitions in Michigan and every one of those, I just surprised myself with how well I did. And that year we had a, um, oh my gosh, I don't even remember what they were called then section. They were called sectionals. And so I went to that. It was held at the Arnold fitness festival in, um, in Ohio and ended up podiuming and qualifying to the regionals. And then at the regionals, I ended up, I think taking second place and qualifying to the games. And I was blown away. I was shocked that I, it was like a complete dream. I had no expectation of going. And so it was crazy to think about, 
oh my gosh, I'm going to be there at the CrossFit Games this year. And that was the first year that it was going to be held in Carson, California. It's such a big arena and a big venue. And that's when things I think really started to take off. Did you realize the scale of it? Like being only a year into CrossFit, did you realize how big going to the games and being at the games was going to be? Well, I think I did from a CrossFit perspective in that world, it was so big, but back then not a lot of people knew what CrossFit was. And so it, it certainly wasn't that big. I mean, in 2010, that was before we had big sponsors. And so the stadium there under the lights, it was never full. It was very, you know, very few people were actually there watching. Then if you go to the next few years, 2011, 12, 13, that's when sponsors like Reebok came in and a lot of CrossFit was growing exponentially. And so, you know, the, the fan base grew a lot and a lot of other people started to know what CrossFit was. And that's when it really, I think, started taking off. Yeah. It's funny looking back at videos and seeing yes. a really empty stadium. And now it is literally packed to the rafters. Packed. Yeah. Did, um, did you have a goal? Like obviously going to the games you've done you did very well in all the games that you competed at but did you think oh, I'm going to just do the games and see what happens did you ever have an intent to kind of keep going and become an actual mm. athlete that's such a great question and is such a I think central part of my growth as an athlete and as a person over the course of my career competing because the first year it was just I couldn't believe I was there and I went and I was sitting next to women like Lindsay Smith, for example, as a woman I had seen competing in 2009 and now I'm sitting next to her in the workout briefing and I was just blown away. And so I had no expectations going into that first year. And again, completely surprised myself because I ended up finishing in fifth place, was not expecting that at all. Um, and then the next year that I went back 2011, I um, well in that time, actually the top five from the games the year before got an automatic requalification. So I didn't even have to qualify that next year, which was a big relief, but I think I always had this doubt in the back of my mind. Like what if, what if it was all fluke? What if I didn't really deserve it? Or it was just one year. Um, and you know, I, can I really do that well again? And at that time I was also going through just a lot of transitions and challenges in life in the background. And so by the time I got to the games in 2011, if I'm being really honest with myself in my thoughts, my only goal was to not do worse than I had done the year before. And so it's interesting how that our thoughts become this self-fulfilling prophecy, because going into the final event, I was in third place. I was poised to finish. It was a great, what would have been a great event for me in terms of looking at the movements and the duration format. And I, you know, by all means should have finished on the podium, but for some reason, it was like everything did not go my way. I no repped so many wall balls. I felt like I was falling apart. And then I ended up finishing in fifth place again. And so it was some pink. And that year was really hard for me to then process and kind of put the pieces together. And from then on, I think a big part of my focus as an athlete was on my mental game, was on really believing in myself, believing that I was capable of winning, believing that I could, I was capable of beating women that I sort of looked up to so much and thought, oh my gosh, how could I be ahead of Annie Thorstarter in this workout? And then slowing down that, that literally happened to me once. And so it really was a, an exploration in how important our thoughts are and our mental aspect of training and competing. And I worked a lot on that the last few years of my career. And certainly, you know, in 2014, things 
definitely finished better. I had a lot of challenges early in the week and then finished, ended up still finishing on the podium in third. And then my last season in 2015, I, I, you know, the season ended before I got to the games, but I felt like my mental game was stronger than ever. I really did believe I was capable of winning. I overcame a lot of milestones in training that I had been chasing for a long time. Um, and so to me, that was really the real victory, even though it didn't play out in, in the actual final competition. Yeah. Well, I, we have to talk about the 2015 season, but I just really quickly want to regroup back. Do you think if you hadn't, if you had beaten fifth place in 2011, do you think you would have gone back again the next year? Oh yes, definitely. Yes. So I think, I think that's one of the other interesting things about sport or any endeavor, right? If you'd start it and you do well, um, there's sort of this expectation that you're going to keep going, right? Like I qualified, I went in 2010 and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Of course I'm going to go back. And then you do the same thing the next year. And in 2011, that was really a time where I had to step back and do a lot of deep thinking because it was during my first, or or I guess the 2012 season was really when it was, it was, um, which I, I guess I skipped talking about that one. That was when I finished second. So I, I, uh, was starting medical school. So I was in my first year of med school. I had just finished all these hard transitions and I, um, you know, I had, I had said, okay, I want to go back of course, because I thought it was possible, but I had never really stopped to ask myself the deep questions about why I was doing it. And so when things got really hard, when I had zero life, when I was literally just going to school and studying or in the gym, things got really difficult. And, um, I had to take a step back and ask myself some of those questions. And then once I did, and I really knew that I wanted to, and why I was doing it, it became a lot easier. Um, and I think the other aspect of that is it can become so much of your identity, um, especially in a, in a sport or when you have a platform and people are giving you attention for doing well, it can become so much of your identity, um, that you can lose yourself in it a little bit. So you also have to really ask those questions, like, why are you doing it? What's most important to you and making sure you have your priorities straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so important. Um, and I, I still look back and think how you managed med school throughout your whole career as well. <laughs> um, but 2015, so you mentioned it there. Is, am I right in saying you were intending it to be your last season anyhow before obviously your season got cut short? Why was that? That's right. So I had, my season was, I or my career was basically 2010, 11, 12. And then the season of 2013, I decided to take off because it was my second year of med school. I did a lot of contemplation around that. That's where the identity part comes in. But, but I knew that it would be very challenging to, I would be sacrificing both in terms of my quality of school and my quality of of training and performance. And it was such a critical year in med school. You have a big board exam at the end. It was right around the time of the games. And so I took that season off. And then in terms of how I was able to do it, I, I, it wasn't, it's not always as, um, you know, exciting as it sounds. I, our met the med school that I was at, we had a five-year program, which is longer than typical in the U S it's usually four years. And we all did a year of research and I ended up taking an extra year and spreading my research out over two years. And so that allowed me to compete then in 2014 and 2015, because I had more flexibility in my schedule to train. And so, um, I always knew at that 2015 would be my last season that I wanted after that, I was going to go ahead and finish med school and the clinicals and the training where, where by that point, it was certainly not possible to keep up with the level of training to, to stay at that level in CrossFit. So I always knew that was going to be my last season 
regardless of what happened. Yeah. And then obviously, unfortunately, it got cut short. Um, you had an injury during what was regionals, now would be semi-finals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the most kind of formidable CrossFit moments, I think, to watch back on. And you you mentioned like about how you were really strong mentally. I don't think a lot of people would ever have done what you did in continuing. <laughs> but do you want to kind of tell the story from your side as to what happened over that weekend? Sure. It um it really did feel in many ways like a lot of it was divinely orchestrated. I don't know why, but well, I do know why. I think just so many of the thing, the pieces that came into place that fell together. So I had always feared tearing my Achilles. For some reason, that was something that was always in the back of my mind. I had had a lot of problems with plantar fasciitis over the years, and I had strained my calf once. Um, and it had just been very careful. I loved box jumps, but there was a point where I just said, okay, I can't do rebounding box jumps because it would make my Achilles so sore for days. And so I just wasn't doing them very frequently. I would do them for competitions or in small doses. I even remember doing Kelly Starrett's, uh, seminar and he pointed out at my heel and he was like, that's a problem. I have this big sort of deformity on my heel. It's called a Haglund's deformity. That is basically a risk for Achilles tendon rupture. And he pointed it out and I was like, Oh, what do I do? (laughs) And I basically like a lot of athletes, I think I did the best that I thought I could, but looking back, there's probably a lot of other things I could have done to prevent that injury from happening. And so going into the weekend, there was a workout with, I think it was a hundred or 50 box jump overs, 50 box jump overs. And so I'd practiced it a few times leading up to the event with rebounding and my Achilles felt great. And I was like, this is awesome. And didn't bother me at all until the day before the competition started. I had done a little jog just to warm up and shake things out. And I noticed it was kind of irritating me. And so when I got to that workout, uh, I, you know, I felt a little off and then in the middle of the workout doing the box jumps, all of a sudden I felt this big, it was like somebody punched me in the back of the calf. And now I understand that's very typical of an Achilles tendon rupture. I looked behind me. I literally thought someone else's barbell had bounced over into my lane and like landed on my foot. That's what it felt like. And I saw nobody was there and I was really confused and I tried to jump, but my foot was just not working. And so I think I ended up finishing the workout, like trying to do a few more box jumps and then walked off the field in sort of a daze. And And it, I think around that time when I was walking off the field, it hit me that I had torn my Achilles and went over to the medical tent and they confirmed. And I was devastated, obviously, because I knew that was not something that was going to heal before the games. It was going to affect the rest of my competition. And so I was obviously visibly upset, but then the, I think it was Boz who came over and said, you know, the next event is a handstand walk. Can you, are you going to do it? And I thought like, didn't take me more than one second to say, of course, you know, it's a handstand walk. I don't need my foot for that. And ironically, I had been training for the last two years with one of my childhood idols, Dominique Mochianu, who was a Olympic gymnast and her husband, Mike Canales, who was also a very good gymnast in Ohio. And they had been training me just a lot of odd gymnastics movements because of you know, previous times where I had had big failures in gymnastics events when I saw new iterations of gymnastics movement. So we would just try all kinds of different things. And one of the things we had been working on a lot leading up to this event was weighted handstand walks. So I would do handstand walks with ankle weights on and practice. And so when I then went out to do this handstand walk, I was wearing a boot 
on my foot to protect it. And it was like, oh, well, I've been training for this. I was used to having to balance a little bit differently to account for that weight. And so I ended up doing the whole handstand walk. I finished the event. I, uh, and then there was a snatch right afterward. I finished the event and then the field cleared and I was held back for an interview. So I did this interview and then I turned around because I knew I had to go back to the athlete area and it was all the way across the floor. And I turn around and I just see, oh my gosh, the floor is so empty and everyone is just there watching. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? I have to walk all the way across the floor by myself. But then it was the most overwhelming feeling of just love and support from the CrossFit community. They gave me such a strong applause and I could just feel it. Like it's, it's what makes CrossFit so unique. It's that anyone, when they are going through a hard time and they are vulnerable, we are there to pick each other up. And it happens in every single CrossFit affiliate all the time. When you're cheering the last person in the workout, when someone comes in with a bad day, like however you're there for people, I could feel it. And it was on such a big scale. And it, I knew it wasn't just people in that room. It was the people watching. And I felt it, you know, in the days afterwards, people reaching out. And even now it's crazy to me when I meet people in the CrossFit community, that's what they remember. You know, they don't remember the times where I want to work out or I was standing on the podium as much as they remember that moment. Or they tell me, oh my gosh, I was there and I was crying or I was watching. And it's just so crazy how powerful you know, how CrossFit creates such a venue to show the best parts of humanity, how we really do care so much about each other and lifting each other up and like feel for each other when we're going through a hard time. And to be able to experience that on such a large scale was just such a privilege for me. So, you know, even though it wasn't the way I wanted to end my season, it was by far one of the most powerful moments of my life. Yeah, I think people would agree that that's probably one of the most powerful moments in CrossFit, like looking back. And I know that footage has been shown over and over again. Um, obviously, if that was going to be your last season anyhow, a lot of people when they were, you know, retire now or, or stop CrossFit, there is a moment at the end of their last workout where they, mm-hmm. you know, they either leave their shoes or they have a you know, standing ovation. Did you kind of feel like that was your moment looking back? I assume at the time it probably didn't feel that, you know, but yeah. you feel like you kind of had your goodbye moment there. Totally. Yes. It totally felt that way looking back. And, and I actually was able to finish, I, because of the way the workouts landed, I was able to do all of the workouts. Then on Sunday, the, the very last part of the last workout was the only thing I couldn't do was squat cleans. And so I did the first part, the muscle ups, and then I just watched everybody else finish. And there was something too about being able to compete then with zero pressure because I knew there's no way I'm going to the games. And so I just could have the most fun out there. And I thought that was, it was amazing. It was very freeing. And I ended up going back to regionals the next year individually and on a team the following year. And it was very similar and that it was just fun and no pressure. Um, and so I was really grateful for those moments too, because I think when you're really trying to compete and try to be the best you can be, you, we just put so much pressure on ourselves. So I was grateful for all those opportunities. Yeah. Amazing. I, it's so great to watch back and that handstand walk moment, I think like as a fan, as someone who, you know, you're just experiencing it as you say, you know, for fun, you know, I don't compete. I watch for fun it's moments like that and it really just puts everything into perspective that no matter what happens it's Mm -hmm. hopefully a good outcome Um, and as you say CrossFit as a whole and it's kind of segues quite nicely in a way into your podcast Um, Mm and 
that you've had for quite a few years now and um, there's something you said on it a few weeks ago about CrossFit as a spiritual experience mm, um, yeah what like can you talk a little bit more about how you've experienced that and how you think it kind of you know goes in into every single gym that is such a great question so and a great segue so I, a few weeks ago, interviewed this woman named Dr. Lisa Miller. She's a PhD and she um, runs a center at Columbia University that studies the science of spirituality. And when they look at across all different religious beliefs, but they look at what are the commonalities and what are the, you know, they see that the same parts of the brain light up no matter what religion you follow. When you talk about certain aspects of spirituality, it's conserved across all humans. And it's, it's, it is innate in us. I think she says it's 30% innate and then the rest is nurtured. And what are the commonalities? She says that it is the experience of feeling loved, held, guided, and never alone. And I mean, that moment of walking across the floor right after I'd finished my handstand walk is the epitome of that to me in the CrossFit, like in my CrossFit experience, it was, I was in a moment of an extreme low, extreme pain. And in that moment, I was so loved. The community was there, like holding my hand through it, um, guiding me. And I was certainly not alone. And I think that's the difference between what we do in the CrossFit community and any other fitness program or exercise company or whatever you might see. It's that we have that genuine culture and interest in making each other better and supporting each other as humans. And it is very, she also makes this distinction between transactional and transformational relationships. And, you know, you go to a global gym, it's very transactional. You pay your fee, you go in, you get on the treadmill, you do your thing, you leave, or even a lot of other group fitness programs, right? A lot of them are about like, okay, pay your money, go to the class. Rarely are you going to start up conversations with people or, um, have really meaningful conversations. And then you leave, you got, you're like paying to get your workout and then you're leaving versus the CrossFit community and just the culture and the way that it started and the way that it's evolved. And we've been able to transmit that culture. It really is about helping each other become the best humans we can be. It's not just, you know, it is about improving our fitness, but using fitness as a, as a uh, metaphor for life. And if we can do hard things in the gym, we can do hard things outside the gym. You know, we're there. We don't care about, you know, your job. We don't care about, you know, what's happening. If you're going through a difficult relationship, if you're grieving, you know, anything you might be going through in life, like we just see you for you. We want to support you. We want to help you be your best, um, help support you through difficult times. And so I think that's what really, makes CrossFit so unique and, um, what makes it such a special community. And it was cool to hear her talk about that and the science of spirituality and see, wow, CrossFit sort of checks all these boxes. And I know it's something that other people have, have recognized as well. Even, you know, long ago, Greg Glassman spoke at the Harvard school of divinity because they were so fascinated by the CrossFit community and how it, again, it checked a lot of these same boxes of spiritual community. It's so fascinating that it's, it's the one thing that no matter kind of how much CrossFit has grown in the last, you know, 20 odd years, that that's still something that sticks. Yes. Um, do you think kind of, do you think that will always stay? Or do you think there's any chance that it would possibly mm. outgrow that experience? It's a great question. I think it's something that, you know, CrossFit as many, um, ups and downs as in transitions, as we've been through, 
over the last several years, I think that CrossFit HQ has done its best to steward that culture and not allow us to lose it. I also think it's it's a testament to the early CrossFit community, like those early affiliates and how then, you know, that becomes the model for every other affiliate. And so I do think it's one of the most important things that we continue to protect. I think that, you know, one of the things that, that maybe we, we can f- have some fear around is, oh gosh, we don't want to sell out or we don't want to just become all about, you know, making money or the bottom line. And, you know, those things are important. Like money is currency. It allows us to grow. It allows us to help more people. Um, but I think that as long as the, the core is still about keeping our values, make sure, making sure that we maintain what makes us so unique, um, then the rest will, will happen. And so it's cool to see that now, which is what, 20 years later, over 20 years later, since CrossFit first started. And I think we still have that. You walk into a CrossFit affiliate, you feel it. Um, but I think it's, it's one of the most important things that we continue to try to protect. Definitely. I think it's something that will keep people in CrossFit, no matter mm-hmm. what they decide Absolutely. to do with their lives. Um, so your podcast, obviously spoke a little bit about it. Um, not only have you had an amazing CrossFit career, medical career, why did you choose to, mm. to start your podcast and um, tell us a little bit about kind of the, the meaning behind it um, for anyone that might not have listened? Well, it is a cool story. I never thought about starting a podcast. I have always been sort of shy. And in uh, when I was in med school, I did start a blog. And so I wrote a few blog entries about just, you know, I love the parallels between CrossFit and life or being able to learn these, these lessons and share them with people. And so I, I posted a few blog entries, but I am a bit of, at least back then I was a bit of a perfectionist. And so I would, it would take a lot for me to publish something because I wanted it to be perfect first. And so that I think often inhibited me from, from putting more out there. And I had just, I knew I was finishing my CrossFit career. It was 2015. Um, I was really thinking about how do I stay involved with the CrossFit community in a different way. And I had um, just been at a Tony Robbins seminar, Unleash the Power Within, which is just a lot of big energy and believing in yourself and all these these, uh, sorts of things. And so I left that seminar and I met with one of my friends, his name's Mo Nakfi. He was one of the founders or is one of the founders of beyond the whiteboard. And I had lunch with him and he was like, why don't you start a podcast? (laughs) And I think because I was so excited from just attending this seminar and really believing in myself, I was like, Oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And so he helped me get the podcast off the ground. And it really, it felt like such a great fit for me because I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories. I had met so many incredible people through my career competing at the CrossFit games. And I felt like it was a great venue to be able to share their stories and continue to stay in touch with the CrossFit community. And so initially it was a lot of athletes and coaches and fitness related interviews. And then it's evolved over the years as I've evolved, it's been, you know, really incredible from, you know, still interviewing athletes and, and fitness focused, focused experts, but also branching more into health and wellness and functional medicine. Um, and even the, the spiritual side now, like, like that recent interview. So it's been really, really cool. It's definitely one of the best decisions I've made was to start the podcast. 
it's it's so nice to have that um parallel as you say between crossfit and and health and, and medicine and everything um i know we touched earlier a little bit about um body image and i wanted to talk about it because you've spoken a lot about it kind of over the years and um something also when you started crossfit obviously i think particularly for women the weightlifting side of it was probably quite new quite yeah. um you know now it's great you know you go on social media and everyone's lifting and it's so yeah. it's like a positive thing but when you started that was obviously not frowned upon but it was you know not seen very often um can you talk a little bit about how why CrossFit in particular you think benefits you know women and their body image mm-hmm. and things like that and and why it's so important for us to kind of accept this and, and for it to you know to be what it is um because I think you know I've done it I think a lot of, of people I know have done it going into a normal gym you you feel it you feel the eyes on you you feel you don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. whereas you walk into CrossFit and there is something and it's really hard to pinpoint what it is that makes you feel comfortable particularly as a woman um mm-hmm. but I know you've obviously done a lot of research and talking to people about it over the years so can you explain what you think it might be that benefits us um in that regard sorry that was mm-hmm. a very long-winded question no I think they're all great points I think well for me personally I think that you know, before CrossFit, when I was searching for how to, how to exercise on my own, you know, a lot of the focus just goes to what do you look like? How many calories are you burning? And so that was constantly consuming my mind and it would be, you know, Oh, maybe I ate too much. Maybe I need to burn more calories at the gym and you'd go on the treadmill or the elliptical and count how many calories. And it was, it was so backwards. And so walking to the CrossFit gym was such a breath of fresh air for me because the focus was no longer on what you look like or how many calories you burn. It was simply on what can your body do and what is your time in this workout? How much weight can you lift? Are you getting better than you were yesterday or last week or last month? And that was no, no mirrors. Like that was just such a relief to take that pressure off of myself. And now to have a new goal to chase, um, to say, Oh, I want to learn how to do muscle up. So I'm going to practice this every day, or I'm going to you know, improve my friend time or whatever it is. And so I think that was very refreshing. And then so many things come from that because you want to perform better. Now that's your primary goal and focus. And so now you start to behave in ways that support that goal. So you're feeling yourself better because you need that fuel and that energy to perform better. You're sleeping better. You're hydrating, taking care of yourself with recovery. And so Um, I think that that was something that was very refreshing versus when your goal is more on aesthetic or on burning a certain number of calories, you tend to not have the healthiest habits, right? Because you're probably drastically under eating. Um, you know, you might be doing things that are not necessarily healthy for your body, but they might help you look a certain way. And so it just, for me, it helps every behavior to align now on performance and health. And I think that was very refreshing. And then I think as far as, you know, what's different when you walk into a CrossFit gym is that you just see women who are strong and are confident and are comfortable in their bodies and are proud of their bodies. And I think the men in the community too do a good job of also respecting that you know, it's really cool. There are so many men who can relate to walking into a CrossFit gym and doing a workout and getting beat by a woman in the workout. And that's humbling. Right. Um, and so the way that CrossFit also has always had such a, um, respect for women in terms of, you know, prize money has always been the same at the CrossFit games for men and women. Um, obviously we have different RX weights for our workouts, but you know, there's so much, 
um, respect and applause when women, when women beat the men, it's a cool thing. It's not, um, you know, it's not something that is looked down upon. And so it's just a very empowering environment and community. And I look now at how cool it is for these like little girls to grow up with their moms doing CrossFit and them to start imitating them and knowing from such a young age, instead of being surrounded by a really toxic diet culture, instead they're seeing these awesome role models and in these awesome environments. And to me, that's so empowering because think about how that's going to change their entire lives, not just how they see their bodies um, or how they exercise, but just how empowered they are going to be in every area of their life. It's, it's so cool. It really is. And it's, it's cross you know there's often that thing people always say at cross at comps you'll see like dogs and babies and it's so nice to yeah see you go to a comp and there's kids and there's everyone watching um you were part of a campaign a few a few years ago now the we the women campaign about the crossfit games what was it like to yes. be featured on that um after kind of your experience as an athlete it was such an honor. Um, it was, I mean, there are so many incredible women in the CrossFit community. There are so many incredible stories. And so, um, you know, when Emily asked me to be in that documentary, it was such an honor. I really, she's, she's just incredible in terms of helping you feel supported and drawing those stories out of you. And then, um, the way that they put it all together was, was really remarkable. So it was, it was just a huge honor. And, and even, I think one of the coolest moments for me, which I was not expecting was I was at the CrossFit games last year and I had brought my significant others, um, adopted son, who's 16 and it was his first CrossFit games. And he had never been before he's been doing CrossFit for a few years and we're just walking through the games and he's, you know, watching all the athletes. And then we see on this jumbotron, my, we, the women video. And he was like, oh my gosh, that's you. It was just such a cool moment. Um, and, and just cool that, you know, I think I, I previously, and I even talked about this in the video, I previously really shied away from attention or having, you know, I was uncomfortable in that space, but now I understand that you know, I can share my story. And if my story relates to someone or impacts someone in a positive way, like, I don't want to keep that from them because I'm too scared of putting it out there. So it was really cool that Emily, you know, saw that and, and believed in me enough to, to tell my story for one of those videos and to be there among so many incredible women with, with really beautiful stories. It was, it was a great campaign. Um, I'm going to let you go very soon, but I'm going to ask you a question, which I'm sure people ask you all the time. Um, what does your kind of relationship with training look like at the moment? Do you, do you see yourself going back into competitive CrossFit at all? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I, no, I don't. Um, so I'm 34 now, so I guess, you know, technically next season I could start the masters, but to me, I've had, I've just had such a dramatic shift in my perspective in life and my goals. And I have such a respect you know, I, I wouldn't change anything that I did before. It was an incredible season of my life. Um, and I have such respect for what it takes to be at that level, it, you know, if for any athlete of all categories, it's not just the, you know, the men and women individual categories, it's, it's a huge sacrifice. It takes so much time, so much energy, so much attention, all of your, every decision has to be centered around, you know, how do you become the best you can be to qualify and compete at that level. And, for me now, I just have so many other goals in life and so many other things that I'm excited about and passionate about that it, the, um, you know, the, 
the time that it, and energy and investment it takes to compete at that level just doesn't fit into the picture anymore. And so I'm still a big fan. I'm still like the number one fan of CrossFit. I want to continue to help more and more people learn about CrossFit and do CrossFit. But for me, it's not on the competition floor anymore. No, I think you will always be a massive part of CrossFit. Um, I'm going to ask you just a very, very quick few quick fire questions, um, sure. which probably more so when you were training um, and then I will, I will let you go. Um, but what was what it was or is your your favorite lift? Oh, so I will stay snatch, but it was a very much a love hate. It's like one of those, when you get it right, it's such an incredible lift. Um, but it, it was a huge challenge for me in a lot of ways. I had a lot of mental blocks when it came to that lift. And so again, working through those, overcoming those, I think was also very gratifying. Definitely. What about your overall favorite movement? Oh gosh, that's tough. Um, I don't know. I mean, I do love muscle ups. I, I don't do them that much anymore, but I do. I think those are, there's just a very cool movement. Um, and then I don't know. I, I don't want to say burpees because everybody hates burpees, but those are, it was just a movement that I was always pretty good at and you, I could always just keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Not, not, you don't have to think much with them either. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, this one, I suppose this has probably changed quite a lot over the years from being a competitive athlete to now just doing it for fun. But what's a gym accessory you couldn't live without? Mm. Um, is this like a equipment or like accessory? Like either or. Um, I mean, I would say maybe just dumbbells because you can do so much with dumbbells. If that's the only thing that you had, you could do a lot there or a kettlebell. Um, so yeah, I'll probably say those. Yeah. Um, and I know you've, you've probably done a lot of them over the years, but your favorite benchmark workout. Oh, I'll always say Fran because it's just such a classic workout. And I think it's, it tells the story for me. It told the story, especially in those early years of how much I was improving. It was, I have done it. I have to look up in my beyond the whiteboard, how many times I've done it, but it's like over 30 times. And in that first year I would do it like every month or two. And I could just see the trend of, of how much I was improving. And it's interesting how even now, even though my fitness level is nowhere near what it was, um, I can still usually pull out a pretty decent Fran because it's so short and you have that muscle memory. So, um, yeah, it's just such a classic. It is. Um, and my final question, I know you've, you've competed as part of a team before, but if you were to kind of create now a dream team to go mm. to the games with, who would you have on it? Oh my gosh. Well, it's hard for me to even choose because I don't follow the competition the way I did before. And so I don't even know so many of these athletes. Um, so I would probably pick like, um, like a throwback team of the people, you know, I just had, (laughs) I had so much fun competing with, um, with people on various teams, whether it was the team USA or some of the regional teams that I went on in, um, so I would just pick a team of people that I would love to have a good time with, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Zero pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so, so much um, for sharing your stories. Um, and I look forward to hearing many more on your podcast to come. Um, but thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you, Leah. This has been a lot of fun. It's always, you know, I don't do it often, but it's always fun to relive some of those memories and think about 
just the, you know, what CrossFit has done in my life. Um, I have so much gratitude for that and seeing it impact so many other people. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you.